Welcome to Master Your Money, the podcast that teaches you how to take control of your hard-earned money all while living your best life. I am your host, Elizabeth Heiza, Chief Marketing Officer at the Barnum Financial Group. I once felt powerless when it came to managing my finances and my attitude follows suit until one day I changed my mindset, built up my knowledge and put myself back into a financial position of power. And I started this podcast to provide you with the same education and advice that I received on my journey. Now I want to help you master your money. Hey, Master Your Money listeners, welcome to today's show. I am thrilled to be talking to you today with my expert guest or my guest today. We have Paul Blanco, CEO and founder of the Barnum Financial Group. Paul, welcome. Thank you. And I would say expert guest too. Yes, you are an expert guest for sure. You 100% are. (laughs) But we're having a different conversation today, which is why I didn't use that term, but Uh, you're right. Paul is an expert in many, many areas. He has had a long, very decorated career in financial services. He is celebrating his 30th year running Barnum Financial Group, which I, for one, applaud you as well as all the employees and advisors here at the firm. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's been fun. It doesn't even feel like 30 years. In those 30 years, I mean, that's not what this call is about, but I'll just, in in those 30 years, he has won numerous awards on behalf of the firm. He has been inducted into different Hall of Fames. Paul is extremely well known within our industry as a disruptor, as an innovator, um, and as an advocate for financial wellness, for financial education, for financial services to all. So I wish we could spend the whole time talking about that amazing you things that you have done in this industry. But today I want you to share with our listeners more about your journey and your family's journey from how you grew up to where you are today and, and how money played a part in that and how you master your money on a daily basis. Great. I look forward to that. Obviously, Paul and I have worked together for 20 out of the 30 years, which is wonderful. Many of those years have been side by side. So I know just by spending so much time with you that you are a saver, that you're very conscious with your money. And I think that's important. I think there's there's a lot of misconceptions about about money and, and people who have it and what that lifestyle looks like. So I want you to help our listeners get an understanding of 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 that, what that journey was for you and how they could, could learn from some of the things that you did as somebody new in the profession. And then as somebody who's graduated to where you are today. Great. Um, I'm ready to go. Let's talk about, let's, I want to start with your humble beginnings in Brooklyn. I want you to tell us what growing up in Brooklyn was like for you. Um, I want to hear about your family, your parents, and then I want to hear about what money was like in your household as you were growing up. So um, try to keep it somewhat condensed here, but grew up in Brooklyn in a neighborhood, Um, that neighborhood. So when you think of a street, there's probably 150 houses and a hundred kids. So spend most of your time outside was very born and raised in, as an athlete. So spent a lot of time playing sports on the street besides formal sports, but you built great relationships, great friendships. Your front door was always open. 
your parents, like a big night out for your parents was going down the street to another family's house to have cake, mm-hmm. you know, Edamins, you know, <laughs> uh, crumb cake or yeah. donuts and coffee. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not like a lot of drinking or anything, but they did like entertain like that. Simple. Yeah. Very simple. Very fun. Yeah. Not knowing any difference. Always had, you know, a new glove, always had a new football, but money in my house was a struggle. My dad went on social security disability when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. He had an aneurysm in his head that broke. Mm-hmm. Luckily he survived and always worked odd end jobs after that. Mm-hmm. My mom always worked three jobs. She hustled every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like the only time they fought was my dad was not working and they yeah. didn't have money and they couldn't afford and not many families had um to working parents at that time. Usually the, the mother stayed, stayed home, home, didn't work. Yeah. yeah. And we had a tenant in a basement of the, of the house that we live. We lived in a house, which not met all kids did in Brooklyn. That your parents owned. My parents owned it. They bought it very when, when I was first born mm-hmm. and we lived there for probably most of my life. They moved when I was in college, mm-hmm. but we had a tenant downstairs and it was probably in an illegal basement at the time where she paid some rent she used to let my brother and I in when we got off the bus when we were kids because my mother wasn't home. Mm-hmm. She was working. Um, working. I remember in 76, the Olympics, my mom should have invented uh, like frozen hamburgers. She mm-hmm. went to McDonald's and because of the centennial, they had 25 cents hamburgers. Yeah. She bought like 300 of them. <laughs> she froze them in little baggies. On Sundays, she would make French toast and pancakes, put butter and syrup, mm-hmm. put them in plastic bags. And put them in the freezer. So that was our microwave breakfast yeah. every day. Instead of eating cereal. Yeah. That you had to buy and replace. Yep. And yep. so she tried to do that. And, you know, there's a couple of stories that, you know, she did what was called, we talked about savings. And she said, you have to save and do things. And she did what was called the envelope system. And the envelope system was if you were going to go on vacation, we went, we never went on flying vacations. Mm-hmm. We, and when you say we, my you family and your brother and my brother yeah. and my parents yep. never went on flying vacations. Um, I remember going to Disney twice. We drove hmm. and I remember my mom saying if the trip was a thousand dollars, she would put $85 a month into an envelope. Yep. And then she would have an envelope for different things and always did that. Did your mom manage the finances in your house? She did. She did. She gave my dad like an allowance <laughs> and, you know, and he was amazing. I was an athlete and let's just say he gave, he always had a check in his pocket, like a blank check my mom would give him and she'd give him 50 bucks. And if I wanted to go to the batting cage, he would blow his 50 bucks on me at the cage and then he would have no pocket money but he didn't care. Like he, he wasn't about you. that. Yeah. He was about seeing his kids be better than him. Yeah. And, you know, my dad passed away in 99, but I remember having conversations when I was in business and he always would say stuff like, I wish I had this, or I wish I did that, but he didn't really want that. That wasn't really. So I would always bring him back to Remember what your goal was. Your goal was to make your two children better than you. And you did that in spades. Yeah. You know, we both went to college and those were important things to him. So your dad did as much as he could. It sounds like. And he did. And I know you and your father were 
incredibly close and Correct. you talk about him in such beautiful ways. And you talk about him endlessly that I feel like everybody at this firm knows your father yeah. and know some of his isms, which is really nice. But when it came to finances, no clue. Is that why your mom took the lead? Yeah, I, th I think, I think so. I think so. I think he was just happy with going through the way he went through and having enough to do the things he did. Mm -hmm. But deep down, he probably wanted more, but he didn't have the self-confidence sometimes. He wanted sometimes, to make more. Or, or have more, more or yeah. be more successful, yeah. what he portrayed. But he didn't want to do the things it took. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot of ideas and a lot of actions, but he never put work, you know, execution to it. Yeah. So he had a great life because he hit his goals. Yeah. And that's what I always reminded him of. But when you get to retirement age, if you don't plan properly, I think there's like this um, anxiety that he was probably going through at that stage, right? Because he was in his early 60s mm -hmm. that you do that. But I, I remember a couple of quick stories on money. One was when I first started in the business. Mm -hmm. And I remember... My first goal was to buy a house. And how old were you? I was 23 years old and, you know, starting from zero. And meaning I, no money, no savings. Zero, no money, no savings. You, you didn't really, because you said you were an athlete. You really didn't start working until after college. Really, a couple of odd end jobs yeah. here or there, but never to make money. Yeah. A couple of internships. Yeah. And my dad said, focus, you'll get to college. And that's how I kind of played mm -hmm. ball. So I remember getting ready to buy a house. And obviously where I grew up, I knew what the price of the homes where I wanted to live. So I had a little bit of a vision and I'm like going to save every dollar. Met my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, Mindy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would just save everything. We would give ourselves 50 bucks. We'd go out to dinner one night a week on Fridays. We would get the same thing. We'd split an appetizer. We'd split an entree. Mm -hmm. And we were saving, saving, savings. And then I'm eligible for the 401k at mm -hmm. MetLife. And it was like, if you put 4% in, they gave you a 5% match. And I didn't sign up. And I was telling my mom. I said, hey, mom. you know, She said, you're signing up for that thing right now. That's what's called the four savings. And you need to do that. And she said, listen, the 4% you're putting in, let's just call it a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. You're making a hundred bucks. That's $4 mm -hmm. after the tax benefit. It's only two. Mm -hmm. You're not even going to feel it. Yeah. And if you go and buy a soda at lunch, buy one less a week, one every other week. And I'm like, okay. And I signed up mm -hmm. and it was the best thing I ever did. And that thing just mushroomed and accumulated. And, but that was the first time. So you think of two tips, right? Mm -hmm. Envelope system she gave me, which was a way of saving for something that you had. So I remember as an advisor in this business, I brought my first life insurance policy. It was $80 a month, yep. actually $81 a month. And I remember I just put 20 bucks in the envelope. Yep. I never had a checkbook yep. until I met my, uh, Girlfriend. And yeah. she's like, how could you not have a checkbook? Because I said, I do every, I don't want checks. I don't want credit cards. <laughs> and I just saved like that. And I had a little passbook that I go to the bank every Friday, yeah. like an old Italian guy from Brooklyn, <laughs> but it worked. It does it work. Works. So, so it was simple, but Effective. it taught that stuff. Then I came in the business and I went through some training to help clients. Mm -hmm. And one of the sayings that I got was from the Kinder Brothers. And his name was Jack Kinder and he was a mentor of mine. 
And he taught me the saying was, pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a lot to unbundle there, right? Pay yourself first for savings plans like 401ks, envelope system, because that helps your budget. Uh I was kind of on my way to starting to save. But back to the story of my mom, I came in the business and all you really needed at the time was a car. I didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. And you needed suits and like a briefcase, right? So about five grand. So I borrowed the five grand from my mom and I bought a car that had 90,000 miles on it. It was 2,800 bucks and bought some suits, you know, and I did kind of like the variety pack, right? You buy like two blue suits, different ties, a couple of shirts, one blazer. So you can mix and match. Yep. And get like 20 three, outfits out of that. three pairs of slacks yep. and you're kind of off and running. Once again, my mom <clears throat> taught me that. And obviously, as you progress in life and you progress in your finances, you can start to step up the suits you buy yeah. or the, the places you dine, yep. but you have to start somewhere. Yep. And that was really, really important for me and how we started. It sounds like your, your dad was influential to you in so many ways, but it seems like financially it was your mom. Yep. And business, it was my mom. Definitely. Where do you think she learned that? I think you learn probably from her parents, but also from like that era. Yeah. My dad was different, but my mom, like they bought a house. You tried to send your kids to school. You tried to scrape and scram to do the right things. And I think that was just kind of that era, the depression. Like even today, my mom, she's 85 and in great shape. She's still saving. And I'm like, ma. Spend your money, yeah. like enjoy yourself. Yeah. But she it's just built is planning for grandchildren, give the grandchildren weddings yeah. and stuff. So she's planning. Would you say that you, you all were middle-class growing up? Yeah. So interestingly enough, we were probably in our neighborhood, we were probably considered middle-class because mm-hmm. everyone was very similar. Yeah. Probably we're better than a few Yeah, and worse than probably a lot. Probably worse than a few. Yeah. Yeah. When I came in the business and I did a fact find for my parents and got all their stuff, like how much they had saved, how much they had here, what they Mm -hmm. made. Mm -hmm. I was like, how did we live? Well, that's what I was going to say. I was blown away. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's that, yes, you seem very blessed. You had a roof over your head. You had a loving family. There seemed to be food on the table, enough money for you to you know, play little league and play sports. Have a glove, have a new football, get stuff on Christmas. Exactly. You had shoes on your feet. Yep. But it doesn't seem like after that, which you are blessed right there, of course. No doubt. But, you know, maybe your mom had to have a lot of envelopes and a she lot did. of money management she did. to make sure that that could happen. It doesn't she, seem like there was a lot left no. over. No. And we went on, we went on one vacation a year. We yeah. went f- winter break for school. Yeah. We went to a place called Villa Roma in the Catskills with a lot of other families. That was like a one trip. They always had, they had timeshares there, I remember. And- they never, my parents wouldn't buy one because they couldn't afford it. So yeah. we'd always go there. I said, we went to Disney twice. I remember this like yesterday. I went to the Little League World Series in Federation Baseball, not in Williamsport. Yeah. When I was 10 and when I was 12, both were in Georgia. And the team flew because they raised money. And my parents both, my parents drove. Yeah. 
they drove. We always had, when I got my license, my brother got his shortly after mine. We had one car. Yeah. One family car. One car for the family. Once in a while, we, sometimes we had, we, we finally got like a second one, mm-hmm. but all four people drove. So yeah. we'd have to drive my mom somewhere or my dad to use the car. So it was just different, but we didn't know any different. You didn't know any different. I know that 23 year old Paul had a vision for his future because you always talk about it. But growing up and seeing, you know, probably more your mom, you know, I don't know how vocal she was with this struggle or if it was tense in your household. But say did 12 year old or 15 year old Paul have a vision to say, I don't I don't want this to be a problem for me or I don't want money to be an issue. I want to change this. You know, I didn't. Even though I remember the fights and I remember sitting on the steps and it was always when my dad lost a job yeah. or my cla- or I was failing out of a class or something, they would fight. <laughs> that was it. So I caused a lot of grief. <laughs> but other than that, I think that I don't think I ever really looked at it like that. I don't think I ever really rationalized because I didn't want for anything. Like, so Correct. I don't think I, I was actually telling this story this morning when I came in the business, I hit the ground running. And, you know, I was asked a question during my interview, what's your goal? And I said, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And the question was why? Mm -hmm. And I said, because one thing I heard in college was that 2% of the United States make a hundred thousand dollars and I want to be in the top 2%. So when I got there, I realized that money was not motivational to me. It was when you made your hundred. Yeah, I made it. I made it very quickly. It wasn't the number that was motivating to you. The number or the money. It was about, it was about winning. It was about impacting people. It was probably fifth or sixth, but I found that a lot of entrepreneurs that I talked to, if that's not the guiding factor, you're so much, you could be so much better. If money is not the guy. Yeah. If it's not the thing that drives you. And I think that back to my parents, why they fought was they weren't fighting over money. They were fighting over money to live Yeah. where when you start to make it, if you save, you should never have to worry about that. Yeah. And I think that's that security. So as much as you get out of school and you say, I want to get here and you think about the house and all that, I never thought of the, the money part of that, like meaning I needed to save X but I never thought about how much I needed to make. Does that make sense? Yeah. You thought about what it, what it would take for you to save the money, Yeah, but you didn't think how much you needed to make to live plus save the money. Yep. And, and I always try to teach people though. I think one of the things that our society struggles with today is when you look at the top 10 paying jobs Mm -hmm. or the top 10 careers and you pick one and let's say you pick number 32. Yeah. Well, and 32 makes $80,000 a year. Yep. You have a certain lifestyle that you live at. Just like my dad driving a concrete truck. There's only certain lifestyle. So I think our society today has to be super conscious of if you want X, you have to go and do Y. Correct. Trade-offs, right? Is that what you're talking about? And that's what it is. Discipline. Yep. And education. It could be, it could be getting a, 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 going to a trade versus. So I think that one of the things we have to teach children is if you have goals and visions, try to align your goals and visions. And if there's an economic piece to it, 
line it up to that. You can love what you do, but you might not ever have the house or the car you want, or the, you might not be able to send your kids to private school. Yeah. There's a lot of stats out there where, you know, the amount of money you make is less important than your saving habits. Correct. And it seems like you, thanks to your mother, beautiful Roseanne, teaching you the envelope system, teaching you for savings. I mean, can you imagine if you didn't start your 401k no doubt. until your thirties or forties or and yeah. you lost out on all those years. And prior to, and, and pro, you might not remember this, but there was a lot of people at Barnum that I forced them to sign up for that. I they, was one of them. Do you they, remember? Yes. And they were here. Some of them were here three years and I'm like set with them. I'm doing this. That's with what you. you did with me. I was, tw- I was 24. Correct. So and, and if you, you asked me and I said, my what? Yep. And that's what, I think has to happen in our society Mm. is you need someone to pay it forward with you Mm -hmm. with savings. But also remember, I think what's really important. I told the story about sharing a meal and an appetizer and only taking $50 allowance. I think it's really important that at stages of your life, you live within your means. And I don't think people understood that. I was going to say, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So I could have had a credit card, right. And I could have went to dinner and pray, but I paid with cash because I was afraid. I knew friends that were my age that were charging everything. And then they, they didn't have the money to pay the bill. Live within your means is simple. It's knowing how much you make correct, and knowing how much you spend Yes, and keeping those aligned. Correct. Not and spending, tracking it. Yes. Not spending more than you make. No doubt. And, and listen, Many people now are trying to get 10,000 steps in. You go to a, you know, you go to dinner one night. If you go to a strip mall and you'll see someone walking around the mall, what are they doing? Oh, I got to get their finished steps in. But they're not tracking like their finances Mm -hmm. and they're not tracking their spending. And so, and it's way more complex today. It is. So just- like it is. You didn't have to have cable. You didn't have to have a phone. And you didn't have all these various mechanisms for where your money is. Correct. Yep. So but still. I still think if you keep it simple <laughs> and you pay yourself first, you could start to accumulate some wealth. Okay. So take us now, you know, you just started working. You have a vision. You want to buy this house. You started as a financial advisor, um, helping yourself and helping people make money. What did money feel like for you there? When did you start to get to a place where you, you could throw, you know, you could throw money in savings and you and you could, you know, buying a house is a really big goal from zero. Yep. When did you start to say, wow, I'm, I'm here. I'm almost there. Like this is actually going to happen for me. Three years, three years. But you start seeing like, to me, what makes me who I am is I love progress in anything. Mm -hmm. It could be just cleaning the house. Like if I start cleaning and I'm doing this sink, I want it totally done. I want to see the finished product. Mm -hmm. That to me is how I win. Mm -hmm. So savings to me every week when I went and put money in that passbook and I got the book and I saw the account move up. Yeah. The number go up. That was super exciting to me. It was literally 40 bucks. It could have went up, but However, I could get it to move. I wanted to see it move. Yep. Did you have money values at that age? You know, did you, what did money mean to you? Some, some people, it means status. Some people it meant safety. Some people it means freedom. I think it was just, for me, it was really the next step in my life to 
get a home. So I never really looked at the money. I looked at what the money was going to do. Okay. So I was so focused on buying a home. Yeah. You were goal focused and money was one of the vehicles that was going to get you to that. So I needed to be successful in the business to make a, to make a living. So your question was, how could I get to my house the fastest? Yeah. And, and then obviously as I was more successful in business, the house changed Mm -hmm. and the house evolved. Mm -hmm. Then listen, I made one of the cardinal sin mistakes ever. You know, my dad, who, as you're saying now, I got my financial advice from my mom. I wish you would have told me that years ago, Mm -hmm. but I go to my dad and I'm buying this house now. Finally Mm -hmm. had a substantial amount of money saved. And he said to me, put as much as you could down on the house So you have the lowest mortgage possible, which conceptually sounds good. Yeah, smart. Not when you're an entrepreneur and you're owning your own business. And you have no cash. And then you have no money. So (laughs) I did that. And then he was like, when are you going to furnish this place? And I'm like. (laughs) That's "Um, right. Because you said you bought it. And then you guys were like. Because you bought it with. As much as I could. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I could. Uh So I'm like, I have a low mortgage and I have no money and I. Now it's now from a business perspective, it was, I was in a very different place where. Did you make the three years? I I got the house in three years, Mm -hmm. but the next 10 were really, really hard. And what got me through those 10 years was those three years, all the four savings. Those were the things I used to build the business. To finance and, your business. And when there was tough times starting out, I didn't have to borrow. I borrowed from my mom, but mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to a bank. And that all those four savings, like the 401k and the life insurance, became assets to me to keep Barnum moving forward when I had those years that you do as an entrepreneur. You sure? So I thought that was very helpful. Sure. And again, you know, what we do every day is help people plan their future, you know, and and plan what do they need financially to live the life that they want. And a lot of that has to do with retiring, retiring in a certain way. And the early people we talk to, people who we talk to early in their career, it seems so far off and they, they have a, a, they have a hard time envisioning it. And it's almost like I'll deal with that later. I don't need to save for that. I want to, I want to spend my money now. And unfortunately, when we talk to clients who are maybe in their 40s and 50s are feeling a little bit regretful, they wish they started in their 20s. Can you give any tips to our listeners who are like that, who maybe are a little bit younger and they just can't see retirement, but they know they should start saving now? I would just say I was at a presentation once very young and I saw the time value of money. Basically, if, if you start at 20, and you put 50 bucks a week away versus starting at 30. Yep. The amount that you accumulate is so astronomically different. So what I've always tried to teach is there's no magic number. It's, it's very personal. So you have to say, I'm willing to put X away. And that could be $30 a, a week. Is. And as long as you start, if you're listening and you didn't start yet, start today. Just do it. And it could be 30 bucks. Yeah. And then when you get a raise or you make more or you get a gift from your family or the holidays, make it 40, then 50. 
I love what you said about progress. Progress equals happiness. Yeah. Everyone needs to see that. And I think psychologically people feel like a goal is too big. Like, yeah. ugh, like that's to me, that's amazing that you had this number you need for a house and you started at zero, but just seeing that progress every week of your, bank, of your bank account going from $10 to $20 to $30 Correct. and then eventually up to a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. to get this house. But yeah. that's how progress works. No doubt. And, and I'll tell you what, when it was one of the scary moments that I always remembered and it was a weird one for me because I've always had goals that were progressive, mm. right? You go to school, you graduate, you get a career, then you start to do better. Mm -hmm. You're an athlete, you're hitting baseball, and now you're getting better and you're playing, mm -hmm. you're going to play on the high school and college. But there's that progression is inf infinite. Mm -hmm. It should be. Savings not sometimes. Yeah. So you're saving for that goal. Yeah. You get the house, you walk in there, it's empty. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, I hit the goal. Yeah. What's next? And it's scary. It is scary. Because- you're right. Retirement seems so long, but you can sit there. And I did this for myself. I would say, okay, based on what I'm saving today, if the market did 8% return over the next 30 years, here's what I'll have. Mm -hmm. And then you can visualize the life you'll have by having that. And it's not about the pile. It's about what it's going to help you do when you get to that point. Sounds like you're thinking you always had a vision for the life you wanted and then you, you backed into the money. What do I need to make that happen? Versus you often hear people attaching a number to happiness. Yeah. If only I made X amount of money, once I can make X amount of money more, yep. then I'll be I'll happier. start saving yes. or I'll do this. Yes. And listen, it was, it was about, <clears throat> you know, you want, you know, you're getting, if you're getting married and you want to have children you know that there's going to be a cost for college, mm -hmm. right? And my goal was forget about paying for it. I wanted my kids to have no debt, whatever they went to, if I could. If I couldn't, then I'd have to split the cost with mm -hmm. them. But my goal was to try to do that. So all the things I used for savings were important. And I think that's what people sometimes, it's not difficult the discipline part is difficult. It, it's and that's exactly what it is. And you've always been very disciplined, which, you know, I would say is one of the characteristics that made you so successful is, is truly just doing what you say you're going to do yeah. publicly and privately. Yes. Well, thank you. And I think it's important that you set little goals like, mm -hmm. you know, that $2,800 car was going to crap out and it did mm -hmm. on a drive up here. Mm -hmm. Then I've been holding out on buying a new car. I didn't even buy it. I leased it because I didn't want to put the money down. Mm -hmm. So you leased the car and yeah. you then did it when I need, when I had to, not because I wanted a new car. Because you want, yes, you were forced to do it. As your career progressed and, and as, you know, thank gosh and, and lucky for uh, all the employees here and all the clients, Barnum is one of the biggest agencies in the country. How, and you found success for yourself and for your family, how has your money values changed or how do you, do you think, still think of money the same way now as you did back when? Yeah, it's going to sound silly, but I think that all of us um, still feel a little like we haven't arrived yeah. and that's kind of how we 
brought our children up mm-hmm. and we're not silly. We, we understand that we've accumulated and we have wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but we're still savings. Like we saved when we were 22 mm-hmm. and we're teaching our children to do that. And so far two out of the three are really good. <laughs> Next one's not in the workforce yet. So we'll see. But the other two are very, very great and very in different ways. Mm-hmm. One is in the business. So she's doing it. And the other one I'm helping mm-hmm. and they're both doing the same thing. And they're very smart. I wouldn't say they're frugal, but yeah. they're smart about what they do when, you know, once again, my mom will go to Bloomingdale's and she'll find coupons and and mm-hmm. ways to get it offline or she'll find something outside. And she's taught that to my daughters. Yeah. So they're following those footsteps of, and they're paying themselves first. Yep. Some of the, they have the four savings. Yep. It seems like, like the envelope system for savings, paying yourself first, living within your means None of this is rocket science. It's not. But it's, it's not easy, though. It's not easy. Simple. One of those simple but not easy things. But from what I'm hearing, and I hope what the listeners are taking away, this was your foundation. Yes. And and here's a big one. If you in life can learn to be the biggest competition you should have is with yourself. And if you can get comfortable with that, making sure you're getting better in every aspect. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. And, it, and by the way, if you do that with working out or you do that with your profession, or if you do that with your relationships, that will carry into money. Mm-hmm. And too many people we keep about, we talk about keeping up with the Joneses, right? Mm-hmm. But you should only be keeping up with yourself and your own goals. You don't have to have what others, my mom would say to me, if you want what others go figure out what they do and go do it. Yeah. That was my, my last question before we have to end the show is throughout all of this, Paul, you never mentioned keeping up with the Joneses or comparing yourself to somebody else or, you know, how it felt when maybe your friends were putting things on credit and you couldn't do X, Y, or Z with them. How did you fight that urge all those years? You know, first off, I admire success, any success. It could be sports, could be school, it could be business, right? So what I always found, and a lot of family members and people I knew that were a lot older, he always wanted to be in listening to the old timers. I always liked to hear the stories. So I was really just comfortable with if someone was successful, whatever they did, I wanted to learn Mm -hmm. and learn how they got there. So I wasn't competing. I was trying to learn and I was trying, I knew what I wanted and I kind of just stayed there. And I think athletics has helped with that. You know, I played a bunch of things, but baseball I think was really critical because no matter how good you are in high school, college, if you go to the next level, you fail more than you succeed. Mm -hmm. So I always say I have a PhD in failure Mm -hmm. and I try not to. And so competing, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because you could be in a career that has unlimited income and someone could be in a career that is a basin bonus Mm -hmm. or hourly. So I think you have to compete with yourself. And that's the progress for me. Yeah. Having those blinders. You had blinders on. I really did. I was I was educated enough to see. And now I look around and like you could always, you know, find someone. And my dad would say as an athlete. You might be really good in Brooklyn, but you go to college. Mm-hmm. Now you're competing at the country. And then he says, you go to the pros, 
there's some kid in some other country. That's how business is. Yeah. And that's how savings is. Right. So I think you have to stay within your means yeah. and compete focus with yourself. Focus on yourself. Like anything. You just need to focus on yourself. Yeah. And I think that's how you win. Yep. Paul, this was absolutely amazing. You shared so many simple, relevant tips that any person at any stage of life, any stage of their career, any stage with money could start to implement immediately. We are so grateful to have had you on. Thank you for everything you give to our industry, to our clients and to the employees and advisors here. We are all grateful for you. And I'll say that right back to you. Like this show is so important Mm -hmm. to people out there starting out because there's a lot to accomplish when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing it. And uh, it's a pleasure being on the show. For all of you listening, Paul runs his own podcast. It's called Small Steps, Big Wins. And this podcast focuses on entrepreneurial journeys. Um, And he talks to entrepreneurs about their journey to success and all of the trials and tribulations along the way. If you get a chance, hop over. You could find that podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's also a great show. Thank you for listening to Master Your Money. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Every little bit helps. You can also follow us on our Instagram at Barnum Financial Group. If you're interested in connecting or working with a financial advisor at the Barnum Financial Group, the links are in the show notes of this episode. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.